0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Philip Rossman Reich of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. You are now watching the Orlando Magic Daily Facebook Live, or if you're not watching it, you're listening to it on Locked On Magic today is November 5th, 2017. It will eventually be November 6th, 2017. Uh, We'll have a complete recap of the Magic's game against the Boston Celtics later on OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well as on Locked On Magic. to stay tuned through the Facebook Live portion of the show. But I wanted to talk today uh, a little bit about uh, shifting expectations and and how things have changed for the Orlando Magic in the last few weeks. Um, I got... You know, I, I, I we can't avoid it anymore. Uh, no, I can't avoid it anymore. I've gone kind of silent since Friday. The Orlando Magic falling to the Chicago Bulls by a somewhat embarrassing 105 to 83 margin. I think that was the final score. Let me grab my box score real fast. 105 to 83 margin there. Um, a, a difficult loss for sure, and, and one that felt very much like the Magic. Uh, as I wrote, it, it felt like the Magic's demons finally came out to play. That the Magic the team that we all expected to see from the Magic uh, throughout the year, a team that was inconsistent offensively, that, that couldn't generate enough points, that would sometimes you know, fall, into, fall into these traps, and, and, and as even Frank Vogel said, these bad habits, that Team Friday was the team that we kind of expected to see most of the year. Uh, and and it, it was eventually that team was going to show up, or not show up is probably the wrong word, but you know, a team like that, a team that had those kinds of struggles, was eventually going to show up. The Magic weren't going to shoot 43% from beyond the arc all season. They're, they're not going to shoot 48% from beyond the arc. I mean, the, the team has gotten better. I think we can say that definitively, that this team is better than it was last year and that this team is very different than it was last year. But I think I think we could also expect to see a regression to the mean. And that's a big thing that I want to talk about today is what can we expect when the Magic do regress to that mean? Speaking specifically about Friday's game, I'm not one to panic over one game. I heard a lot of people on Twitter, uh, online, talk to me, said that's an unacceptable loss. And absolutely, you can't lose to a team like Chicago like that. Uh, You really cannot lose to a team like that. But eventually, a loss like that's going to happen. Every team in the league gets blown out. Every team has a bad night. And the Magic had their bad night Friday, and it did reveal a lot about the team. Like I said, it was very similar to the way that we expected the Magic's offense to work, where the team wasn't able to get stops, get out in transition, where the team was kind of stuck uh, running in the half court. And yes, uh, you know, as, as as some of you pointing are pointing out here, the Magic's lack of a, a second point guard, having only one point guard, and that point guard, you know, being Shelvin Mack, who, you know, uh, Shelvin's a great guy. I think he's done a really good job so far this year. He had a bad game on Friday, uh, but. I think his, his style of play does not fit the way the Magic want to play. I was really confused by that signing in the summer. Um, he's been fine. He's been a steady hand, but that's not what the Magic needed, point guard. And, and Jonathan Simmons looked like he was thinking a little bit too much and, and was really struggling to, to, to find a way to get the Magic into the rhythm that they needed. So that game, how much can we throw it away? I think that's the, the million, billion dollar question right now. How much stock should we put in that Chicago game? And my answer right now is don't put much into it. The Magic have played nine games now. Six of them have been really good. One of them, the Charlotte game, was the first game where the Magic really looked like they struggled, and yet they they found a way to reel themselves back in and give themselves a chance to win that game. Remember, it was a three-point game with about six, seven minutes to play. And Charlotte's a very good team. You can see them. They're right here in second place in the Southeast Division. But... That game where you saw that offense kind of stagnate and saw the team kind of fall into the same bad habits that cost them against Chicago on Friday. And and and, and on Friday, the Magic couldn't reel themselves back in, couldn't get themselves back together, and they kind of let go of the rope for the first time. And, 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 and every team's going to have that during the course of the year. And so the, the question is, how do they respond tonight, Sunday night, against the Boston Celtics, a team that's very, very good defensively, that I expect is going to challenge the Magic defensively in a way that no team has challenged them defensively so so far. But Orlando's got to gotta to find a way to get through these. And, and I think we saw on, on Friday exactly where the Magic tend to struggle. The Magic tend to struggle when you bog down their offense, when you're able to slow them down, when you're able to kind of isolate players, when they don't have player movement, when they don't, when they can't get around screens, when you kind of blow up that, that initial pick and roll. Um you know, I think NBA Math did a really good article. I think I shared it on, on, on the Facebook page if you want to go back and look, look for it. Um, NBA Math did a really good art, article on the Magic's offense saying, you know, the Magic are running a lot of kind of simple pick-and-roll sets, a lot of simple, like, one-action sets to get guys open for threes, and they do them in such quick succession, and they get at you at such a fast pace, and they take shots so quickly that defenses haven't really adjusted. So when you are able to slow the pace down, when you are able to slow the game down, and force the Magic into running these single actions into corners. Like, I'm noticing a lot the Magic will get into the short corner. The ball handler will get into the short corner and kind of drive and get stuck and get trapped. And there's no one there. There's only one way out, and that area is covered, and there's no movement to, to free up any space behind him. The Magic are going to have to really learn how to work against this. That that, that may be, end up being my next playbook post. Um, if the Magic offense struggles a little bit more, I'll... I'll try and point that out and explain it a, a little bit further what I'm seeing out on the court. But you got players like Aaron Gordon who, who tends to over I mean Aaron's played great this season. Aaron's been great this season. But uh uh they tend to they tend to over dribble, they tend to try and attack and do too much. Um uh they tend to do too much uh and and that gets them stuck. That gets them really really stuck in this offense and, and I think we saw that we saw that happen I think Sunday against Charlotte. And I think we saw that again happen Friday against Chicago. The Magic needed to learn that lesson. It's it stinks that it comes against a, a bad team like Chicago, but maybe you need an embarrassing loss like that to kind of snap you into attention. Uh, you know, I think I think at one point I was going to name this episode. You know, don't believe your own don't believe your own hype. Um, because right now the Magic kind of needed to fall back. They needed to 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 know that. You know, we aren't as good as we think. We're playing really, really well. And, you know, we deserve all this discussion and we deserve to think, you know, that we're a playoff team now. And I'm sure they always thought they were a playoff team. But they deserve all this. But at the same time, I think Aaron Aflalo really said this well on Friday. At the same time, they're not too far away from being the team we saw Friday night. So they've got to be committed defensively. They've got to be willing to to share the ball. As I wrote last week after the loss to Charlotte, uh, after the loss to Charlotte, I said that when the Magic are struggling offensively, they need to trust each other more. And the problem Friday was when they got behind, they started pressing. They started trying to force things. They started trying to do too much on their own. And that got them into trouble. You got to trust each other more. And as as some of you said, um, you know, Maria Gomez comments here, they seem to have a different mentality about the game. That's exactly right. This team is very, very different. I think they will figure it out. Whereas last year, I don't think they figure it out. This year, I do think they figure it out. And they may not win Sunday night against Boston because Boston is a very, very good team playing very, very well right now. They may not win, but they will play better Sunday against Boston. I suspect, and I'm going to be proven wrong here in about 45 minutes on on this own podcast, but I suspect that the Magic are going to play a lot better and make that a very, very competitive game. So... For now, I, I take what we've seen in eight games over what we saw in one game. I, I don't see a. I see some patterns, and I'll talk about them in just a moment. Um, I've talked a little bit about them here. Um, there are definitely some patterns that would suggest the Magic are going to hit a little bit of a rough patch, and the Magic are going to kind of fall back to their mean a little bit. But at the same time, the, there's more good than bad this season. And the Magic it's 6-3, they deserve to be 6-3. This is a 6-3 team. Whether they'll stay a, you know, quote-unquote 6-3 team, a team winning two out of every three games right now, that that is yet to be determined. And so we'll talk about that in just a moment. The big thing uh, that I'm seeing in the comments, and something I did want to talk about, is the point guard situation. As uh, many of you pointed out, as, you know, Maria Gomez asked, do you think we need to add another point guard? Leslie Stoves asked, you know, Lawson would be a Ty Lawson would be a good pickup for a 10-day contract when they are available. 10-day contracts are not available until January, as as a note. Uh, and Donald Hampton says, I think the lack of a point guard hurt tremendously. I absolutely agree 100% with this. I think that the Magic they they really struggled to find their rhythm with without a point guard. And and while, um, you know, I asked about this Friday, um, before the game, you know, the Magic bringing in Shelvin Mack to start at point guard. They were going to platoon Jonathan Simmons. They were going to platoon. Evan Fournier, possibly even Wes Welker. Wes Welker was actually supposed to go to to, to Sioux Falls and Iowa uh, for to Iowa first, then Sioux Falls for for the Lakeland Magic's two opening games this this weekend. But I think that those plans were canceled after the uh, after the injury to DJ Augustin. Um, the Magic lack ball handlers, and while Vogel said that. This is kind of a free, you know, everyone said this year this is a very free-flowing offense. Like, if they don't run any plays this year, if they don't run any plays during the course of a game, that means they're doing something well. They just kind of flow into their offense, and like like NBA math said, and I think it's a really good observation, the Magic just do quick actions, like quick one-piece actions. Their, play, their, their plays are not overly complex, which is why Chicago is able to blow up a lot of stuff. And so... Having a true point guard, having a guy who knows how to conduct the rhythm of game, matters. And it's not just having a guy that conducts the rhythm of game that matters. It's having a guy who, uh, who, can, who can attack, who is aggressive. Shelvin Mack's been great this year. I'm not hating on Shelvin Mack. I think he's been very, very good in the, in the uh, uh, context of his role. But he struggled just to be confident in Friday's game, and you could kind of see the doubt creeping in with him. Shelvin Mack was one for eight, 0 for three from beyond the arc. The second half, the Magic were still kind of in the game, uh, starting starting in the third quarter. They actually up by one, I think, at halftime. Uh, but in the second half, you saw Shelvin Mack pass up open jumpers, and I think that uh, I think that that was really really hurtful for the Magic. They need a point guard who is who knows who he is. It's not just about Alfred Payton shooting, and we'll get to that in a sec. It's about a point guard who is willing to attack the basket. You always have to be in attack mode with this offense. If you Jonathan Simmons was a great example in the third quarter. In the third quarter of that game on Friday, Jonathan Simmons really struggled at the point guard position. He wouldn't he just would not attack the basket. He would come across the screen and be, they, they'd swarm him, and he'd stop. And it's, I'm not saying Simmons should attack a double team, but you've got to move the ball quickly. And that's something a point guard knows how to do, but not necessarily a guy who's kind of platooning the position like Simmons. And so the Magic's lack of a point guard certainly helped hurt their offense a lot. And, and I think there is a rhythm that an experienced point guard knows how to manage that, that the Magic lacked in this game. Now, as far as adding another point guard, the roster's full. Let's—I mean, let's 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 full stop there. The Magic have 15 guaranteed contracts plus their two two-way guys. So even in January, it's not likely a two-way guy is is going, or it's not likely a 10-day guy is going to be added unless the Magic cut say Ken Birch or cut someone on the roster. It's not likely to happen at this point. Um, so the Magic are at this point desperate to get Alfred Payton back. And it, it sounds like Alfred Payton practiced Saturday. you um, told the Orlando Sentinel, I believe, that he felt good after practice, that he that he, he felt like he could, not necessarily that he could play, but he felt that he was uh, um, uh, uh, comfortable and healthy. And it's just a matter of how does he feel this morning. And so we won't hear about that. I'm recording this, if you're listening on the podcast, at about noon. We'll hear about that at about 4.15, 4.30. Uh, when Frank Vogel talks to the media and, and the roster becomes official for the game at 6 p.m., so getting Alfred Payton back would absolutely be huge. And and, and as I said on last week's podcast, I think and, and that's all I'll say here, DJ Augustin's been great. Alfred Payton is a better point guard, and I think he he helps this team a lot more even without the shooting. You may see the offensive numbers dip a little bit, um, but defensively, I think he'll be a, he he he'd be a lot better. And I think um, just getting the team into its flow will be a lot better with Alfred Payton because Alfred Payton just attacks the basket a lot better and I think that'll help spread the floor for the Magic shooters and, and help them kind of keep this, this hot shooting up. Um, I think another factor again in Friday's game was the Magic missed a lot of open shots early on and you could feel that the pre- they were starting to press when they started missing those shots shots that they normally make and so that's why another reason why I kind of attribute it to a bad day they just kind of had a fall back to the mean day and it just happened all in once. I mean, They're probably not going to shoot 10 for 35 from three again with the looks they were getting. But in any case, back to the point guard discussion. Uh, Having a, you know, even though the Magic just don't run an offense that's very point guard dependent, getting into that rhythm, getting into that tempo that they want, getting organized, that's absolutely something that they need a point guard for, that they absolutely need Alfred Payton for. And so the Magic are hoping that they get Alfred Payton back. I think that they will. And and I think that will bring balance back to the roster. That will help kind of get everyone in the right spot. When things do get tough, they'll have Shelvin Mack off the bench, who I think attacks bench players better. They'll have him to 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 organize and direct things. And I think that is going to be very very important for this team. You know, every team has to deal with injuries. I mean, don't. It's something you've got to be able to overcome. Largely this season, the Magic have overcome injuries, whether it's Peyton being out since the second game of the season, whether it's Aaron Gordon missing a couple games, uh, whether it's now DJ Augustin out. The Magic, this year, like 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 someone said earlier, this team is more resilient and more together than they've been in several years. I mean, even when they win 19-13, and, and and I, I do plan on kind of doing a retrospective on that year, once, probably once the Magic get back from the West Coast and we really figure out if this thing is real. Uh, I'll probably look back and and reflect on what lessons we may have learned from that 19-13 and 13 season in 2016. Uh, but, um, or you know, when they started 19-13 and 13 in 2016. But I think what's also important to know is things can fall apart very, very quickly. And there's, you know, the Magic have two more home games left on this homestand, and then they go out west next weekend. It's a four-game trip at Phoenix, at Portland, at Golden State, at... Utah, I think. I don't have the schedule memorized. I apologize. But big road trip coming up over the week, starting over the weekend. They play Golden State on Monday. They play uh, Phoenix, I believe, on Friday. So big, 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 big road trip. We're going to learn a lot about this Magic team in the next week. And it star- actually starts tonight, I think, against Boston, a-, a very good Celtics team. Don't think the Magic have to win that game, but I do think they have to show themselves well and, and kind of make a statement that yeah we're gonna compete in this we can compete in this Eastern Conference or we'll be a dangerous team all year long. Um Leslie Stokes comments EP is important. He is the floor general offensively and defensively the magic. needed that versus the Bulls agree a hundred percent on that point. Um yeah I think I think you know it's been strange. I think that a, there's a lot of people, and, and it's it's a fair criticism. But, I mean, I'm not saying that Alfred Payton, you should give him a five year extension and and keep him um and, and keep him there. Um I, I I think a lot of people are obsessed with Alfred Payton's shooting, and they're they're all saying you can't have a point guard, you can't shoot in today's NBA. And and you may be right. And I'm not saying that the Magic will one hundred percent keep Alfred Payton after the season and 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 keep him as the starting point guard of the future. But I will say this. I think Alfred Payton is the best point guard on this team. I think as well as DJ Augustin played, and I think that DJ Augustin was surprisingly very, very good uh, in in that seven-game stretch. But Alfred Payton can take this team to another level, just overall. And so at this point, I still trust Alfred Payton more than DJ Augustin, And, and I think everyone forgets just how good... Alfred Payton was last year. And just how good he was playing in preseason. And really even how good he played against the Heat and how good he played in that first half against the Nets. So we will see exactly what Payton brings to the floor when they get him on the court. And I think that's gonna be very, very key. And I think I think he will take this team up up a notch. Um and, and certainly be a nice boost boost of of of, of Depth and, and a boost of energy for for this team. Um, Donald Hampton writes comments in the Magic strangely strangely seem to be more focused on the road for some reason. Um, still early to say that. Um, I think there's definitely a little bit of banding together on the road. I think they're very comfortable being together, being in their own space. But remember, we're still very very early in the season. The Magic have played uh, what is it? Miami, San Antonio. I think the Magic have played like four games at home. They're three and one at home. Um, I think it's a little early to be noting home road disparities. as what Miami, Brooklyn, San Antonio, uh, and then I think I think Chicago. I think they've only played four home games, so they played four out of their first nine at home. They're three and one. They're three and one at home and three and two on the road. So they've had some very nice road wins, and road wins always stand out. Like, blowing, them out, blowing out Cleveland on the road, fantastic win. Beating Memphis, absolutely fantastic win. They've had some nice home wins, too. I thought the win against Brooklyn, Brooklyn's struggling right now, and Brooklyn is Brooklyn, but that was a really nice win. Coming from behind by 12 to, to, to gut that game out, that was a very, very impressive win. Beating San Antonio the way they beat San Antonio was a very impressive win. So the Magic have had some nice home wins, too. The Miami game was actually a really nice win, too. So, uh, a little, it's it's a little early to be saying that, but I definitely think Orlando's shown a lot of resilience both home and away, um, and so that'll be uh, that'll be that'll be good. Um, thanks, Jeffrey, for looking up the schedule. The road trip is at Phoenix on Friday, at the Nuggets or at the Nuggets on Saturday, Golden State on Monday, and then Portland on Wednesday, and that is the four-game road trip out west. As as many of you point out, it will be. Um, uh, a, a tone setter for the rest of the season. I always say the West Coast road trip is when we find the first West Coast road trip, which usually comes the first week of December. It's earlier this year because of the schedule change, but it, it's even earlier than that. It's even earlier than it normally would come in, in the course of the season, um, not just the calendar year. Uh, I would say that this is very true, uh, and I think we're going to learn a lot about
0: the Magic on this West Coast road trip. Um Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Mark
1: Mark NG writes, Peyton might be better on defensive end, but will probably affect spacing on the offensive end. Um see that's that's kind of where yeah, he might affect spacing on the offensive end, but honestly, the fact now that Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon can shoot, now that they're both now that they're both three-point shooters, um, I think that allows Peyton a lot more freedom and space. I mean, we're seeing it. Look at the way Evan Fournier drives to the basket now. When, when, when you're watching tonight's game, look at the Evan fournier Nikola Vucevic pick and roll. Um, we saw this a lot against Charlotte, actually. They'll run a pick and roll with Vucevic. Vucevic will pop out of the three-point line, and you'll see the center not come and close the lane down. He'll, he'll kind of stay shaded on Vucevic. And that gives an open lane to Fournier. I think the same thing's going to happen to Peyton. It's okay to have one non-shooter on the floor. And it's usually your center. Usually usually your center is the non-shooter. But because the Magic can go four out and even five out in some sets, that gives a lot more space for Peyton to attack the basket. So I'm not as concerned about Peyton's spacing. Um, as, as I've said to many people who've said, oh, you can't start Peyton, He's, you know, he, he can't shoot the ball. And there, yeah, there's a legitimate concern that, yeah, he, he'll cause some spacing issues. Especially when he doesn't have the ball, you're gonna take the ball out of Evan's hands, you're gonna take the ball out of Aaron's hands a little bit. Um But I, I I think that with Alfred Payton, I'm more concerned about his defense than his off than his scoring at this than his shooting at this point. I think Payton will make enough jumpers to keep defenses honest, and even then he knows how to create how to how to create space on drives to get looks that 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 help him and cause the defense to collapse around him. So I think I'm not concerned about Peyton and his return as much as anyone else. That's um, uh, the point that Donald made. I think Vucevic and Gordon shooting better from the outside helps absorb the shooting deficiency with Peyton. Um, right now, uh, one more question, another question here. Uh, Jamik Foster asks, do you think we should get more TV time, ESPN or TNT? Uh, I think that's coming. Uh, I've I, I pitched an article to, to the Orlando Magic Daily crew to pick a Magic game to put on national TV. If you have any suggestions for Magic games that should be on national TV, just follow the national TV rules. Um, send them in. I, I haven't looked at the schedule to say, you know, this would be a good national TV game. I'd take this game off or or whatever the case may be. Um, they usually don't start flexing games until January um, when the playoffs get a little more serious right now with the season just starting and, and everything kind of in flux. ESPN and TNT tend to stick with the known commodities So you'll see a lot of Knicks, you'll see a lot of Lakers, you know, see a lot of the superstars. The Magic don't have superstars yet. But if the Magic keep winning, if the Magic stay in the playoff race, we will see the Magic flipped onto an ESPN game very, very soon. Um, Unfortunately, Alvaro, both the Magic's games against the Warriors, I think, are on Mondays uh, this year. So that's not a national TV window date, and they're actually playing, They play Golden State November thirteenth, which is which is uh, oh no, that's Tuesday. Sorry, sorry, that game's Tuesday. Um, they play, or I don't know what day. I don't know what day anything is anymore. Um, I don't know it is Monday. Monday is the thirteenth. I don't know what day. I don't know what day anything is anymore. Um, but yeah, it is Monday. So so they play Monday against the the Warriors in Golden State, and then they play December first against the Warriors. So I don't think that game will be switched on to national TV. Um, I, I, I don't think that that is um, uh, something that, that that they'll do. But again, look, look to January, look to February, look to March. If the Magic are still in the playoff race, you'll see them. I think you'll see them flex into a game. I don't think we'll see a TNT game this year. Um, TNT likes to do the big names because they're 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 definitely a more national brand audience. Where ESPN, I think, doesn't mind not bringing in everyone into the national audience for every single one of the broadcasts because they have so many. But I think we'll see the Magic flexed into a, TNT, or into a national TV game at some point this year, um, probably in January February. I don't think we'll see one before, that, before Christmas at, at, at all. Um, one final question before we move into, I think, the main topic I want to talk about today. Uh, Chris Knight asks, do you think Isaac will play more at the 5 later this season? Only against particular lineups. I don't think we'll see Jonathan Isaac playing center at all this season. Um, I I think they really like his defensive instincts. I think that if the matchup called for it, they'd feel comfortable doing it. But I don't think it's something they specifically want to try this year. Um, A lot of people have wondered, when are the Magic going to try the Isaac Gordon lineup? And I didn't expect to see it this soon. But the Magic have have been really smart about managing it. Usually with about two minutes left in the second quarter, they'll take Ross or Simmons out and put Isaac and Gordon in at the three three and four um, to end the first half. So you're seeing limited minutes where they're on the court together. Um, You'll definitely see limited minutes where they're on the court together, uh, but it's not something they're looking to do full-time quite yet. It's not something that they, they want to put out there for meaningful minutes. It's something they're experimenting with. They are experimenting with it. But I don't think they want to go full bore into it quite yet. Not until Isaac's ready. It's all about how Isaac develops. And while his defense has been very, very good, um, I think that he still gets muscled around a little bit. I think they're a little leery about putting him out there against centers. Now, if they're playing the Warriors and the Warriors put Draymond Green at center, that's when you might see the lineup. It might be matchup dependent. It's not something the Magic will look to do specifically. But it is something that they may look to do as the matchup dictates, as as if, if they feel like they need to to go up against it. As Isaac builds up some strength, as Isaac um, as Isaac gets more comfortable in the NBA, maybe they try it out once in a while in that like two-minute stretch at the end of the first half. But it's not something I think the Magic are looking specifically to do right now. Um, I, it's a great idea. I think we will see it sometime down the road. Probably not this season. I, I think the Magic want to be very careful and give Isaac a lot of confidence uh, with him defensively. Um it's, it's going to be interesting. I got a couple Mario Zoni questions, so I'll answer these. Maria Gomez, Maria Gomez sorry, asks, What's going on with Mario? He seems to be getting better. Leslie Stoves asks, I'm in- interested in seeing how the minutes of a follow and Mario are done. Mario Zonia is obviously a big talking point among Magic fans. I just penned a big 1,200 word article on Mario Zonia and, and his kind of search for himself this summer as well as early on this season. Um, he, the Magic obviously declined his team option. There are a lot of signals that that he want that his camp just wants to kind of get a fresh start and get out of here, um, which is fair. I think that's, that's more than fair. Uh, Izonia has been playing better this year. I, I know he's averaging only four points per game, shooting 50% from beyond the arc, shooting a little bit better than 50% from the floor. Uh, I've been very impressed with Mario Izonia. I think that he has played a lot better and has established himself as a rotation player. I think when it comes to the conversations about Mario Izonia, a lot of people... Are di- are a lot of people rightly call him a bit of a bust, and say, "Oh, they need to get rid of him. He's not the fifth overall pick. He got to get more from that." Well, at this point, as I as I've said to many people, and I'll, I'll say this again because it sounds nice and I like it, the Magic aren't expecting fifth overall pick Mario Zonya. That is a sunk cost. The Magic are not getting that fifth pick overall pick back. It's Mario Zonya. and you can't treat Mario Izonia like he's fifth overall pick Mario Zonya. He may have that talent. He may have have that potential still, and and who knows what he could be. He's still very, very young. But the Magic, as a team and as an organization, cannot expect him to be fifth overall pick Mario Azonia and judge him through those lenses. At this point, the Magic need Mario Azonia to be rotation player Mario Azonia. He needs to be able to carve out a role and do more positive things than negative things. And if he asked me... Hizonia has done more positive things than negative things. And I think that, you know, if the Magic are currently running a nine-man rotation, he is man number 10. We've seen him enter the rotation on occasion. He's been a good spot spot minutes guy for the team when they're when they're a little short-handed. He's done some really good things. He's making open shots, which is thing number one for Mario Zoni. He's got to make open shots. He's been patient attacking when he's gotten the chance to attack. He's been better defensively, although I think the Magic still tend to hide him a little bit. Um, and uh, and I think that the Magic have done well to, to put Hazonia in positions to succeed. It may not be the success everyone wants him to have, but he has played better, and I think he's has contributed, contributed positively to this team. Now whether that's enough to keep him on the floor is another question he still does make mistakes and I think uh, we saw a little bit Friday that Aaron follow is starting to get more minutes that just that, that steadier hand in those situations um, are are definitely uh, the, the steadier hand is definitely something the magic are looking for so hisoni uh, is gonna have to fight he's gonna have to continue to prove himself every practice every game that he should be on the floor and yeah he's gonna make some mistakes he's got to play through them and he's got to continue to find ways to make a positive impact. I think generally this year he has made a positive impact. I think he has been good this year for what the Magic fast asked him to do. Um, but he's still got a long way to go and, and unfortunately probably not going to happen with the Magic after this season. Uh, one more question I saw from Donald Hampton. I want to see more spades unless Biombo Biombo isn't giving us anything defensively anyway. Everyone's harsh on Biombo too for the same reasons are kind of harsh with with Izona. Um It's... It's a bad contract. He's never going to live up to that contract, so you just got to get the most that you can out of him. I actually think Biombo's playing well. Didn't play well Friday, and I think there are definitely situations, and I think this is something Vogel is still figuring out. Um, there are definitely still situations where the Magic need to go to Maurice Space. Friday was a perfect example where the Magic needed to go to Maurice Space earlier. Um, Vogel said that he went to Spates when he, at the appropriate time. That I think that's view. Sunday's game against Charlotte I thought was an appropriate time to go to Maurice Spates, and I think the Magic needed to go to Spates in that game. Essentially, when the Magic's offense is struggling, when they aren't getting the ball movement, when they aren't, especially that second unit, and they're really struggling to get things going, that's when you turn to Spates. That's why you sign Spates. And it's not that Biombo's playing poorly. But there are definitely times when teams are able to congest the paint a little bit more because Biombo's in the game and let the center roam around. Um, The best example of this was the opener against Miami. When the Heat crushed that 17-point lead that the Magic had, it was while Biombo was on the floor. And I was watching that game and I was was sitting baseline. Uh, During the second half, the Heat were on our side of the floor, or the Magic were scoring on our side of the floor, and Hassan Whiteside during that comeback was just ignoring Biombo. He was roaming the paint and just deterring any drive. And I remember watching DJ Augustin specifically in that game. And DJ Augustin wanted nothing to do with Whiteside. He would get into the paint and not even try to score. Not even try to attack him. Because he knew that Whiteside was there ready to block the shot. That The moment the Magic put Vucevic back in the game, Whiteside... to leave the paint. And that opened things up for Evan Fournier to attack the basket. That opened things up for Vucevic to hit that big jumper that he hit in that game. So, having a jump shooting center does make a difference. And because Biombo is such a non-factor offensively, when the offense is really struggling, when the offense is really, really, really struggling, that's when you have to turn to spades. When it comes to rotation questions, we are nine games into the season. We are beginning to see Frank Vogel tinker a little bit with his rotation. But early on in the season, I think Vogel is right on this point. I think that Vogel is right to stick to a planned rotation, give it a chance, let guys get settled, let guys get confident. Uh, I know the game against Charlotte, a lot of people wanted to bench Nikola Vucevic, and Vucevic did not have a good game that day. It was his first bad game of the year. Our first really bad game of the year, where he just got roasted defensively. And he's still going to have those games, even though I think he's played better defensively than than before. That's not the moment that you bench a player like that. Remember, each game right now is one game out of 82. And yeah, I'm someone that believes every game is important, but the pressure isn't ratcheted up yet. If it were an April game, if it were a game that the Magic had to have to make the playoffs... That might be a game where you make that snap rotation decision and just go on feel and go on gut. Right now, Frank Vogel is trying to figure out his rotation. He's trying to figure out who he has and what he has. And so he wants to stick with what he's got. He wants to stick with, with what he at least initially thinks works. And, and generally, again, the Magic are 6-3. and three. We're not talking about 3-16 and 16 here where nothing's working. Things are working. So you don't want to lose confidence in a guy too quickly. You don't want to take confidence away from a guy too quickly. Whatever your rotation is, you need to stick with it a little bit longer, even if it's not working in one game. Again, this is the same thing I said about Friday's loss to the Bulls. You're looking for patterns. You're looking for trends. The Magic have not played enough necessarily to, to notice a lot of trends. Or Friday's game is an anomaly. You can't treat it as anything other than an anomaly until it happens again, or the same things begin to happen. Like I said, there's some signs from the Charlotte game that suggest that that that, that game was coming. There are certainly some statistics suggesting that that game is coming, that, that the Magic are about to fall a little bit back down to earth. But you got to let things kind of play out. It's still very, very early in the season. We're only nine games into this 82-game odyssey that that we're going on. There's going to be changes, and there's going to be a time for change. But you can't let kind of momentary things change your rotation too much. And even as a coach, and, and Vogel said this last year, Vogel said last year, you know, I don't want to change the starting lineup or change the rotation every game. I need to let things settle in. I need to let you know some statistics become significant and then make some decisions. And he, probably, he didn't say statistics, but he needs to let things settle in a little bit before he makes changes. And that is absolutely key for the Magic. That's key for any team because you want to build confidence and trust in the players you have. And I think that's something that the Magic are still looking to do. Like I said, this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit more about shifting expectations and the Orlando Magic's place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I am a subscriber to the theory, um, uh, I am a big subscriber to the theory that your expectations do shift over the course of a season, that there is a point where you reevaluate what you thought at the beginning of the year and change the way that you talk about the team. Um, And I think that is completely fair. At the beginning of the... Uh, like I, I said this last week, and I, I, le- I really like this analogy, so I'm going to keep using it. Last week, I said, you know, I expect this team to win 35 games, be in the playoff race into April, you know, probably fall a couple games short. And if they do that, I'll consider this a successful season. I thought I thought it was important for them to get back to where they were in 2016 and win 35 games. Nine games in now, I've seen a, I've seen a lot from this team. And this feels very different from 2016. It feels very real, it feels like there is something that is sustainable, that this team has jumped up a notch. And early on this season, I would say that, yes, my expectations have changed. That I believe that this is a playoff team and that this team should expect nothing less than the playoffs with the way they've started. Because as you get deeper and deeper into the season, the standings don't change very much. I think it's something like, I think it's something by about the 30-game mark The standings are what they're going to be with very few exceptions. And obviously 2016 is a big exception for for this Magic team. So how do we change the way we discuss this team when we shift expectations like this? Because I'm seeing a lot of people kind of talk about this team like they're a championship contending team again. And I remember covering a championship contending team. When, 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 I cu- when, when I was writing about the Magic during the 2010, 2011, 2012 seasons, it always felt like you were playing to a standard. To an almost impossible standard at times. And that even when the team won, you were never truly satisfied. There's always, there, were, there were wins that felt like losses. And again, like I've said so many times, what separates those really good teams from the, from the bad and mediocre teams is the really good teams find ways to win games they shouldn't. They find a way to just pull game you know out of their out of their you know where
0: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So, this Magic team
1: has shown some of that, and they've shown some letdowns. The Brooklyn game was a little bit of a letdown. The Chicago game was certainly a little bit of a letdown. We are, I mean, I think at this point, we can safely say the Magic should aim to be a 500 basketball team. I mean, obviously they should aim to be more, but expectations-wise, as, as we discuss this team, we're kind of covering them like they're a 500 basketball team. And so I've gotten a lot of comments from people saying, this team is so up and down. You know, they, 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 they I don't know what to expect from them one night to the next. You know, they They, 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 they got to play better than that. That finish against Memphis was so ugly. And my response has been, welcome to being a 500 basketball team. 500 basketball team wins as many games as it loses. It they, 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 they show maddening inconsistency because they're able to beat just about anyone and they can lose to just about anyone. Remember those Tracy McGrady years? Tracy McGrady was a stupendous, a stupendous player, made that team a 500 team. They lost some bad games in those Tracy McGrady years. They won some great games in those Tracy McGrady years. They could beat anyone on any given night. They could lose to anyone on any given night. And that is life as a 500 basketball team. The belief, though, when you're a 500-basketball team is that you can win just about any game you enter. That you have a puncher's chance against the very best teams and against the other mediocre teams, you can win. And against the bad teams, you expect expect to win. You expect to blow out. I mean, I fell into that trap Friday, on Friday's episode. I said there's no reason the Magic should lose to the Bulls because I don't think the Bulls are a very good team. And and the Bulls played their butts off and, and won that game and deserve every credit for winning that game. The Magic didn't do the things they needed to do. The Magic lost because of them, not because necessarily because of what the other team did. I mean, the Magic, the Bulls scored 105 points, which they haven't really done all year. But the Magic should be able, the Magic with the way their offense plays, should be able to score 105 points and win a basketball game. That's who this team is. That's that's the identity that this team has taken on. So, knowing all this, knowing that the Magic are in all likelihood really a 500 basketball team, if not a little bit better. Looking at the stats, knowing that they're probably not going to keep up the shooting. Knowing that they're giving up way too many points in the paint. That they're not great on the glass. That they're giving up a lot of open threes that teams are missing. That they're making a lot of shots that are eventually going to stop falling. Knowing all this, what is the Orlando Magic's place in the Eastern Conference? Now We look at the standings here. Orlando's in first place in the Southeast Division. But, you know, we know Washington's getting their stuff together. You know, Cleveland's still around, Boston's still around, Detroit's playing very, very well. It's a jumbled Eastern Conference for sure. The Eastern Conference does not look anything like we expected it to. And it's slowly going to settle in and stratify itself. We're only 10% through this season. Which sounds like a lot more than it is, actually. So where do the Magic fit in this landscape? What are, where is this team eventually going to finish? You know, I believe that that the team is going to hit a hit a rough patch. It may come in the next week or two. This West Coast trip is going to tell us a lot about who this Magic team is, and where they could finish this season. You know, by the time they get back from the West Coast trip, we'll be about we'll be approaching a quarter of the way through the season. We're, you know, 20 games or so. That'll be game 15, 16. And at that point, we can really reevaluate the team and ask ourselves, where does this team fit in the bigger landscape? But for now, I think we can say the Magic are a team that should fight for a playoff spot. This is a team that we're going to see defenses respect a lot more very soon. And they're going to throw different wrinkles at this Magic team to stop them. And the Magic may struggle with them, or the Magic may thrive. They may be better than we all expected. They may end up fighting for home court advantage. Who knows? We're still so early in the season. But things are going to change for this Magic team. The one thing that shouldn't change is their ability to fight for a playoffs. I think we can talk legitimately about the playoffs now, even in November, and set that as a goal. Whereas, I think in 2016, we looked at that team and saw a really nice stretch of play. It's a really nice stretch of play in December. They played really, really well and got out to that fast start. But we didn't all quite believe. And when the losses started piling up, it hurt. And certainly at that point, I think the Magic, when they were 19-13, were fourth in the Eastern Conference. At that point, yeah, the playoffs were an expectation, and yeah, the team fell short. And I would still call that season a success because I didn't expect the Magic to make the playoffs even when they were playing as well as they were. This year does feel very different. This year, the Magic have beaten some very good teams. This year, the Magic have a real set identity with really few flaws. You know, maybe some regression to the mean, but we're, we're approaching Game 10. Things are becoming normal. And at 6-3, and three, you know, 6-4, and 7-3, and someone there. There's a lot to believe in with this Magic team. Again. And while I don't think the Magic are title contenders, and, and I think tonight's game against Boston is going to be a good test to show where the Magic are in comparison to those title contenders in the Eastern Conference... The Cleveland game, I don't think was really. I don't even think the San Antonio game was. This is a, this is a Boston team that is fully healthy and playing lights out right now. Seven game win streak. Um, they the, the way they played against Oklahoma City coming back was, um, it was fantastic. They are they are they are a legit team and their defense is very very good. If the Magic can score against this defense, we'll really have something. But the Magic are still carving themselves out. They are still getting themselves to a comfortable place. And I think it is important to remember what Aaron Aflalo said after Friday's game. We are capable of beating anybody. But if we don't play with focus and intensity, we can lose to anybody too. This team isn't so different from last year's team that's important to remember. There are still a lot of the same players with a lot of the same demons and a lot of the same habits. And while the Magic have done a good job pushing those habits aside and playing better overall, there is still a lot that can go wrong this season. And so the Magic have to be vigilant, have to be focused, and have to be aggressive in order to secure that spot in the Eastern Conference.
0: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: I want to thank everyone for watching today's Facebook Live. Again, we're going to try and do this every Sunday at noon Eastern time. Hope everyone enjoyed that extra hour of sleep last night. Uh, but we're going to try and do this every Sunday at noon Eastern time. Talk to you about the of Magic. Respond to your comments over here. Right there. Yeah, I think I got it. Nope, wrong one. Like that. Right there. Right there. Um, uh, respond to your comments here on the Facebook Live of course if you're listening to this on Locked On Magic you can join us every Sunday on the Facebook Live at facebook.com slash Orlando Magic Daily that's Sundays at noon is the plan Uh, pay attention to to the social media uh, Twitter Twitter especially at Locked On Magic at Daily for more information the Orlando Magic Daily mailbag is opening up soon I'm hoping to do a mailbag while the Magic are out on the West Coast so be sure to send me your Magic questions you can do so on Twitter at omagicdaily or at LockedOnMagic. And, of course, you can email them to me at omagicdaily at gmail.com. I hope everyone enjoyed the Facebook Live portion of today's show. Today is Monday, November 6, 2017. This is Philip Rossman reich of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic back with you. We do have one more piece of business to go get to in about five more minutes to get to it here. And that, of course is the Orlando Magic's game against the Boston Celtics. A 104-88 loss to the Boston Celtics at the Amway Center. Uh, and again, another game where the Magic really struggled on the offensive end. We've been waiting. And, and, and we've been, I mean, I've been waiting. I've been telling everyone that this hot shooting will not last. That the Magic won't be able to make open shots at the, at the rate that they're making eventually. The team is going to slow down, and we started to see that slow down against probably, at least for now, the best defense in the NBA in the Boston Celtics. Orlando shoots only 36.3% from the floor. The usually reliable Evan Fournier shoots 2-for-14, including 2-for-9 from beyond the arc. The Magic as a team shoot only 6-for-29 from beyond the arc. The Magic offense just did not work. They weren't able to make open shots. The Celtics did a good job forcing contested shots. I thought even, especially in the fourth quarter, as as Orlando, who trailed by eight entering the fourth quarter, um, as Orlando slowly lost grip of the lead and started becoming more desperate, they started pressing and forcing things, and that's never good. Just like the game against the Chicago Bulls, when the magic press, they tend to stop passing, they tend to try and create too much try to create too much for themselves, try to do too much by themselves, and that's when the magic get into a lot of trouble. That's what we really saw for a good chunk of that fourth quarter. But it was also just a game, I think, where the magic had kind of moment moments of general sloppiness where The team kind of just let go of the rope for for brief moments, and the Celtics really took advantage. Uh, Boston played a pretty good game. Certainly on the defensive end, they played a pretty good game. But offensively, they were not anything special. Shot only 43.8% from the floor. Al Horford and Jason Tatum both shot 5 for 8, but Kyrie Irving shoots only 4 for 13. Marcus Smart, 4 for 12. Uh, The Magic did a lot of really good things. Uh, I I, I do think that their defense kept them in the game, kept them... uh, uh, kept them from, uh, or at least kept them close and gave them a real opportunity to win. Uh, You know, the Magic, I think, had the lead down to four on several occasions in the third quarter. The Magic were playing uphill pretty much from the end of the first quarter on to to the end of the game. They were were, uh, 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 trying to get themselves back into the game, but never could quite get themselves over the hump. And eventually in the fourth quarter... The magic kind of let go of the rope, and and that ten that can happen, and that I think is the explanation for the deficit. So while the magic offense certainly wasn't, it was was probably about as efficient or effective as it was Friday night. I don't think that the deficit reflects how big the how or how big the margin of victory actually was, or how big the margin between these two teams actually was. The fact of the matter is, the Celtics are much more sure of themselves, much more confident, especially in their own defense, uh, and. And the Magic aren't right now. Right now, the Magic are struggling to find themselves, struggling to get into that rhythm, struggling to rediscover that rhythm that worked so well for the first eight games. And the last two, they just haven't had it. Some of that's certainly attributable to the point guard position, which, which is definitely still in flux. Orlando started Jonathan Simmons at point guard this game with Alfred Payton still out with a hamstring injury. It looks like Alfred Payton will be back Wednesday. But uh, they decided to hold him out one more game, give him two more days of re- two more days of practice time and rest before they the Magic played the New York Knicks on Wednesday. So the Magic gave Peyton the night, gave Peyton another night to, to recover. So Jonathan Simmons started at point guard, and the Magic hoped that putting him on Kyrie Irving would help slow him down, and it largely did. But Simmons got into foul trouble early on. He, he spent most of the game in foul trouble actually playing only 21 minutes in the game. Uh, and and that definitely took away from the Magic. Uh, there's no doubt that the Magic are missing a true point guard on the roster. And it's not that Shelvin Mack played horrible. I thought Shelvin Mack was, was actually pretty good. Eight points, 3-for-8 shooting on the game. Shelvin Mack should not be playing starters and you He should not be playing up against guys like Kyrie Irving. Against bench point guards, he more than holds his own and, and at least gets you a wash. And, and I think that's where Mack is really good. He holds the boat steady with second units. He is not a player that the Magic should be relying on heavily for starters minutes. And in the starting lineup, Shelvin Mack playing more minutes than Jonathan Simmons actually at 23-47 for the game. So the foul trouble of Jonathan Simmons really put the Magic behind the eight ball. But aside from that, Simmons definitely is not a point guard. Um, It's very clear he doesn't quite get the Magic into the offense that they need. And this is very much a rhythm offense. As as I noted, I think a few days ago, Orlando wants to kind of flow, or I'm pretty sure I noted this on the Facebook Live, so maybe it wasn't a few days ago, but... Um, the Magic very much want to flow into their offense. They want to naturally proceed into their offense. Uh, Alfred Payton said it during the during the preseason. If we don't run a play during the entire entire game, that means we're doing something pretty good. That means that means we're we're getting into our offensive sets very naturally. And to do that, you either need to be attacking, which means you're getting stops and getting out in transition, or you need a point guard that pushes the pace and gets you into it. And and unfortunately. While Simmons, I think, likes playing with pace and likes getting getting the ball up the floor, that's just not naturally what he does. And you can see that he's kind of thinking too much out there, trying to be something that he's really not. And I think even Evan Fournier said after the game that that's not who he is. He's not a point guard. We're asking him to do something that he's really never had to do at this level before. Uh, and it's certainly, uh, it's certainly paying a price for the Orlando Magic right now. And, and I think you can attribute at least some of these offensive struggles to that, but it's not an excuse. The Magic had themselves a chance to get in this game. They had opportunities to get back into it, and they could not get over that hump. They could not um, develop the the chemistry that they needed, or, or develop or make the shots that they needed. At the end of the day, they would get an open look. It wouldn't go down. They would um, get uh, a crease, take it, get into the paint, get crowded, turn the ball over, miss a mid range shot. Stuff like that just kept on happening. In the third quarter, Orlando did play some nice offense. I thought they got the ball moving a lot better, got some open shots, and it paid dividends. I mean, there's a reason why they scored 31 points in that quarter. But the Magic could never repeat it. 20 in the first, 18 in the second, 19 in the fourth. Orlando needed some offense tonight, and they couldn't get it. Uh, I think Frank Vogel said it really well after the game. We played defense decently enough. And again, this is a team with the way that they've played this year, if they score 104 points, you expect them to be able to win that game. The Magic just could not keep up themselves. They could not get the ball moving. They they, they couldn't get the stops that they needed to really generate easy offense, uh, for the most part, at least. Uh, and, and they really hurt themselves and, and bit themselves in, in the foot. Um, that is not to give any takeaway, any credit from the Celtics. I think the Celtics had a big part to do with that. Uh, but the Magic just could not get out of their own way or could not... Get the get the buckets that they needed. Uh it, it just it comes down to that simply. You need to make shots. The Magic didn't make shots tonight. Uh and or Sunday night. So definitely a lot of work still to do for Orlando. They gotta find a way to they gotta find a way to play through these periods when they go cold. They gotta find a way to to generate offense when it's not coming easily. That's that's always been a problem this season for the Magic. It it was a problem in Charlotte, it was a problem against Chicago how they respond to that and and whether they can tighten up their defense enough, getting offensive rebounds, preventing these spurts, especially at the end of quarters, I think Boston did a great job attacking at the end of the second and third quarters to really put this game out of reach from the magic and and, and make their life hard. Um, they've got to find a way, they got to find the resilience and the will to score to, to, to score these victories or to score um, when it's not easy and and, and and while the magic have gotten some decent shots, it has not been easy of late, or at least the last two games for Orlando, and that much is abundantly clear. Just to run through some final stats for you again, Aaron Gordon, 18 points, 12 rebounds, 6 for 13 shooting. Really good, solid, aggressive game for him. He had his moments where he really shined, took over the game, got to the basket, made, made his jumper. Fourth quarter especially, though, it, it really felt like he settled for his jumper too much, was trying to do everything by himself. This has been a little bit of a problem with Aaron Gordon. Uh, throughout the season, that he will uh, that he will just try and do things on his own. That he, he he fashions himself the star, and so he plays plays the star. And really, it's with Aaron. I, I have confidence in him to make the right decision. I have confidence in him to to be more assertive and to look for his own shot. But the next stage in his development is to realize when it's time to pass up that shot and to become a better passer. And that's something that's going to have to develop as the season goes on. There are plenty of instances in that fourth quarter, especially where Gordon was shooting over two defenders when he needed to pass the ball, whether it was Jonathan Isaac or Evan Fournier or whoever. To something that Gordon, I'm sure, is going to see on tape and and learn from and, and improve upon for next time. Nikola Vucevic, a surprisingly solid game. 13 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, 6 for 15 shooting. Struggled a bit with his shot throughout the game, but got the ball moving, was a guy that the Magic could put the ball into uh, and get some points. He did a really nice job passing the ball, especially in the third quarter, which was the Magic's best offensive quarter. Needs to be a little bit more efficient offensively, but... The real killer stats: Evan Fournier six points, two for 14 shooting; Terrence Ross nine points, two for 12 shooting, over four from beyond the arc. Evan Fournier two for nine from beyond the arc. Those are two guys the Magic need to get going. They've struggled to get Ross going, but Fournier having a cold night. That is something that the Magic have not had very much this year. Uh, And losing Fournier uh, was a big, big defeat for Orlando. They needed him. They needed him to make shots. He had plenty of open shots that he just missed he took some ill-advised ones late again late when everyone seemed to be pressing uh, but again it, it's it's at this point it's about moving the ball. Um, I I don't care how many threes the magic take if I'm if I'm Frank Vogel I care about the quality of those three pointers if they're coming off the dribble they're uh, not in transition they're probably bad three pointers if they're coming off of passes they're probably good three pointers the magic took too many of those bad three pointers I thought in this game uh, trying to force their way back into the game. Not a lot of dribble penetration, not a lot of making the defense move. When they did get in the paint, when they did make the defense move, they tried to force it over the defense rather than finding the open man. And then on the occasions they did find the open man, they didn't, they didn't score. And, and sometimes you just have to live with that. So the Magic fall to the Boston Celtics, 104-88 to 88 at the Amway Center. They're now 6-4 and four through the first 10 games. Not a bad record. I think Magic fans should feel still feel very good about this team. There's more good than bad to start this season, which I think is a very, very positive sign for the Magic for the first 10 games. They are regressing to their mean a little bit. They're falling back down to earth just a little bit, but help seems to be on the way. I think the Magic getting Alfred Payton back will be a huge, huge thing for this Orlando team, not just to have another point guard, but I think Alfred Payton's still the best point guard on this team, so I think that he will boost the team uh, dramatically now that they actually can space the floor for him. So, We'll be interesting to see how the Magic fare against the New York Knicks. Got a couple of days of practice before that. We'll be back with Orlando Magic with uh, Locked On Magic to talk about that uh, coming up in the next few days. Remember, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Tune In. Um, if they're not updating on Stitcher or Tune In, please let me know. You can contact me at Locked On Magic. And as I said in the Facebook Live, the Orlando Magic Daily Mailbag is open as well. So feel free to drop your questions about the Orlando Magic onto the Twitter account at LockedOnMagic as well as by ma- by email at omagicdaily at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. a little bit of a bigger episode here on a Monday to get your work week going for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Reich. I will see you all again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic.
0: You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.